Welcome everyone. We are continuing our study of Simha. This week will be week number two. This class will be given Le'elui Nishmat, someone who we all owe a lot of Hakarat Hatov, the person who built this building. Dave Cohen, Allah Shalom, who's Levayaz today. And we'll be giving this class Le'elui Nishmato. Ruach Hashem, Tenirhenu Began Eden, Amen. Last week we started discussing the different advantages of living with Simha. Although it may seem obvious that we all want to be Samaya, and therefore we should just get on with the program, probably you'll be frustrated in a week or two. Because you'll say, just let's, let's discuss what Simha is, how to get it. But I feel, like we mentioned last week, a person needs to know really well why they're investing in something. And even if we think that simha is obviously the thing that we need in life and we need to have it, but it's very different when you actually know what it's doing for you. So we're spending time trying to figure out the different advantages that we have in life when we have Simha in our lives. So last week we went over a few, I believe six or seven things that literally change so many things in our lives when we live with Simha. Today we'll be discussing another advantage, just one. A person who is Sameach has what we call in Hebrew Yishuv Hada'at. What is Yishuv Hada'at? Da'at means your mind, your thinking. The word Yishuv means settled. When you settle somewhere, it's called Yishuv. Yishuv, not of the body, Yishuv of the Da'at. That means you could be moving, you could be on the run, but you could have Yishuv Hada'at. Your mind is settled. A person who has Simha generally has Yishuv Hada'at. And if you ask, why do you need Yishuv Hada'at? Why is that important? So probably the most important result of Yishuv Hada'at is that a person is able to make good decisions. Decisions made with Yishuv Hada'at have different results than decisions that are made with behala. The word behala in Hebrew means a person who is not settled. We'll call it confusion. When a person is confused, his mind is not settled, decisions that they will make will not come out the same. 
I'm going to give you an example. In the Torah, where a lack of simha made a very big difference. The famous story of the Egel. One of the worst Averot that our nation was ever involved in. Actually, it's unimaginable how people who just left Mitzrayim, the children of Abraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, our people, our nation, they just witnessed the splitting of the sea. They just stood by Har Sinai, the greatest event in history. And a few days after, Pasuk says, Vayar Ha'am, the people saw, Ki Boshesh Moshe Laredet Min Ha'ar. That Moshe Rabbeinu was delayed. Hazal tell us that Moshe Rabbeinu told them, I'm going to be away for 40 days. And then I will be back. They would get worried if your son left the house and he's not back at night, you get worried. And if he's not back the next morning, you get more worried. And if Moshe Rabbeinu, the leader of the Jewish people, you're in a desert in the middle of nowhere, he's the man that you go to for anything that you need. He's your father, he's your mother, he's your rabbi, he's everything. If he, if he goes away and he doesn't come back the next day, you get worried. So Moshe Rabbeinu told them, I'm coming back in 40 days, not to worry. Now they made a calculation. They thought the day that he was talking to them was included in the 40-day count. So the 40th day came, he didn't come. He was not including the day he was talking to them. He meant a full 40 days. Vayar ha'am ki boshesh Moshe laredet min ha'ar. The word boshesh has in it beshesh meaning they were off for six hours. So they went and they congregated on Aharon Kohen, and they told him, we need a new leader. We need to make an image that people could rally around. And as you know, they made the Egel Azahab, the golden calf. The question is, again, the obvious question is, how can they do that? They just heard by Har Sinai. No, Hashem did not tell them the entire Torah in Har Sinai. But one of the things He did tell them straight from His mouth is don't make images. How could they do that? It's so hard to imagine that the Dor De'ah, this great generation of people, would go down to such a low level. But besides the shock of the story, it's directly against what Hazal teaches us in Masechet Shabbat. The Gemara over there says, Kach umanuto shel hara. The Yetzirah has an umanut. The word umanut means he has an expertise, he has a trade. Which means the Yetzirah has rules too. Everything Hashem created has rules. Boiling eggs has rules. Gravity has rules. Yetzirah has rules. Says the Gemara, I'm going to tell you the Ummanut. 
This is how you become a Yetzirah. If you want to train to become a Yetzirah, this is how you do it. How does he work? Hayom omer lo kach. Which means, let's take for example, you have a person who goes to pray every morning in shul. He goes to shiur. Then he goes to work. Good man, doing good things. What does the Yetzirah tell him? Go worship idols? No, it's way too far. He's not doing that. He's not taking a religious man and tonight start to convince him to serve idols. That's impossible. Says the Gemara, first he tells him, Asekach. Asekach means, you know what? You don't have to pray so early. Oh, you up at six o'clock. Pray at, uh, pray at nine o'clock. It's fine, it's the same tefillah, it's good. Okay, it's also tefillah at nine o'clock. Okay, makes sense. So, he goes to nine o'clock. Now, when you get up at nine o'clock, it's different than getting up at six. People are learning a little earlier, nine o'clock maybe is a little later, different kind of prayer perhaps. All of a sudden, you know what? Sunday is too much for you. Every day, every day, Shabbat, I understand. Monday through Friday, you're working anyway. But one day you need to catch up on your sleep. Sundays, of course, you have to pray. Hazrat Shalom, you never miss tefillah. But just pray at home. Spend time with your wife, with your children. Sunday, take off. Okay, nice. I hear that, makes sense. After that, he goes to another item, another item, another item, another item, and then, at some point, he'll act the same guy who used to be in shul every morning, learning and praying, the biggest tzaddik in town, step by step, in the end, he'll tell him, go serve idols. Which means that the Gemara is telling us that the Yetzirah works not in extremes, step by step. That's why you can never feel comfortable where you are in life. You can never say, me, I'm good, I'm fine, don't worry, I'm good. Because he'll get you without realizing. Because you'll go down here, you'll go down there. A guy's doing well, he's, you know what? Hang out with his friend, not so bad. This friend takes him to another friend, another friend, another situation, another party, another this. And before you know it, it's a different human being than they were five years ago. They didn't even realize what happened to them. You never see a person go from up here to down there overnight. It never happens. You never saw it. It's gradual, step by step. Says the Gemara, this is not an accident. This is the Ummanut of the Yezera. That's the way he operates. And for the simple reason, because you can't do it any other way. But how does this Gemara fit with the sin of the Egel? What happened over there? You're talking not about a good person, you're talking about a great nation. You're talking about what we call the greatest nation, the greatest, the greatest generation of our history. And they went from the top 
and they plummeted to idol worship literally overnight. They woke up one morning, they were perfect Jews. By the time the night came, they have Egil. How, how does that work? How come the Gemara didn't say, wait, what happened to the Yetzirah over here? What happened to his Ummanut? Did he change for those people? So if we have a few more details in the story, we probably will be able to answer this question. Because if you read the words of Rashi, he tells us the words of Hazal that say that when he didn't show up the time they thought he would come, says Rashi, Asar, in the 16th of Tammuz, he was supposed to come down on the 17th. They thought the 16th. He didn't come. Bahas Satan, which means the Yetzirah came. Ve'irbeb et ha'olam. Ha'irbeba means he caused major confusion in their life that day. Ve'herad demut hoshech. You have a bad day. Just nothing is going right. Nothing. From the morning till nothing right. And then all of a sudden, you start seeing things that don't even exist. This Satan took advantage of the situation. He saw they were nervous. Moshe is late. Moshe doesn't come late. Maybe me, if it was me and you, it's fine. We can come three months later. Was, oh, it's no problem. Because we don't keep our word. Moshe Rabbeinu Sam coming back 40 days. He's coming back. They're getting worried. The Satan took advantage. Which means... He made the world look very confusing. What did he do? He made it very dark in the middle of the day. It's happened before in our lives. Sometimes in the middle of a sunny day. And all of a sudden it's dark. So it happens sometimes. But when you're having a day like this. And the nation is having a day like this. And all of a sudden... Wherever you are in the desert, it gets dark in the middle of the day. You say, oh, panic. Ve'erbuvia, and it was all messy. Lomar, oh, Lomar, Hazal also say, that he showed them what looked in the Anan, in the cloud, an image of a coffin with Moshe Rabbeinu inside. Now, I don't know if he actually showed them Moshe Rabbeinu in the coffin. But could be. He showed them a cloud that looked like a coffin and it was moving. You know, again, you can start seeing things in that situation. And the Basuk says, Saru Maher. They quickly plummeted to the worst possible level that a Jew could reach at that moment. What happened to the rule of the Yetzirah, slow, step by step? So there's an exception to that rule. The one exception to that rule is if you're not Samaya. If you're down, if you're depressed, if you're not happy, if you're nervous, then there is no, there's no bottom. There's no, oh, I can't get this guy to do this much. It's, it's not on his level. All bets are off. When a person is down, 
A person can do the worst things overnight. The rule of the Yetzirah is true for normal people. But if you really become unhappy, if you really get nervous, if you feel really confused, then anything can happen. Saru Maher, they went down very quickly because they were down, they were depressed, they lost their simha. When a person, Lo'alin, was physically weak, their immune system becomes weak. The same virus or the same things they used to fight, the body was able to handle, can't do it anymore. Well, the Yetzirah is like a virus. It's a spiritual virus. When a person is Sameah, their immunity is strong. When a person gets down, they lost their ability to fight. And at that point, they're ready for the taking. There's another story like that. Not as famous, but also shocking. The Pasuk says in Parashat Emor, ben isha Yisraelit. It says a man who was from born from a Jewish woman. Vehu ben Ish Mitzri. His father was an Egyptian. And then there was a fight. And then the Pasuk says that this man, Vayikovet Hashem. We say he blessed Hashem, but it means the opposite. Imagine came out, a person came out and started to curse. He's cursing God. Vaikalel. Scary. In the middle of the desert, in the middle. They brought him to Moshe. And then whatever they did to him. What happened to this man? Why did he go out to do such a terrible thing? To bless God like that in public? Unimaginable. Why would he do that? Hazal asked, it says, Vayetze. He went out. So he asked, Where did he leave from? Where was he coming from? Obviously, the Torah says he came out. It means this was part of the problem. He came out from where? Says Hazal, Mi bet dino shel Moshe yatza. He came out of Bedin. Why was he in Bedin? Because he went and he put his tent by the camp of Dan. They, the, the tribe of Dan told him, but, you know, in the desert, every tribe had his area. So a guy can't just come and move in wherever he wants. So this guy took his tent and put it by Dan, by Mahane Dan. Amrulo, they said to him, Mati Vachlekan, why are you here? You're not, you're not from our tribe. Not in a not nice way, just simple. Imagine someone comes to your backyard and pitches their tent and starts to move in. Right? And you're a nice person, but you're going to ask them, uh, what are you doing here? Why are you here? So he amar lahem, what do you mean? Mi bene danani, my mother is from Dan. So where else do I belong? I'm here. Amrullah, they said to him, imagine someone told you, what do you mean? My, my grandfather lived here. My grandfather lived in this house. What would you tell them? That's very nice. 
but if grandfather's not here anymore. So yeah, he had a claim. He says that my mother is from Dan. They told him the Pasuk says, Ish al Diglo, each one lives by his degel, by his flag. Which means when you decide which Shevet you're from, you don't decide by the mother, you decide by the father. So you're saying you're from Dan, but you're not from Dan. Your mother is from Dan. Your father is a Mitzri. He's not from Dan. So what happens when you have a dispute like that? He's saying, I'm from Dan. They say, you're not from Dan. What do they do? They went to the Bedin. Baruch Hashem, we have Bedin. We go to Bedin. When you go to Bedin, it's not necessarily to win or lose. You want to know what the truth is. That's what it's supposed to be. This guy went to Bedin with fire. He needed a place to live. You can understand him. He has no place to live. He needs a place to live. And he liked where he pitched his tent. Maybe he had friends there. Maybe he liked the environment. Who knows? What happened in Bendin? When they went to Bendin? I'm sorry. You lost. You can't put. Imagine you lost your 40 by 100. Come on. You had a beautiful home. It's right where you want to be. And you go to you go to bed Dean and I'm saying, I'm sorry. We're taking that away from you. Ahmad Vegidev. Vayetse. That's what it means. Vayetse, where was he coming from? He was coming from Bedin. And he went and started to do the worst Averaj. Why? When you're down, he was rejected. He was dejected. And when you have those feelings, you are a dangerous person. The most dangerous for yourself. You have to, by the way, it's good to know that. It's good to know at least that when you're not happy, at least don't make decisions. At least. The decision-making process of an unhappy person is extremely unreliable. What may look perfect and right, you might say, okay, right now it's best time to scream at all my children. I'm going to show them who's boss tonight. And my husband along with them. Everyone's going to know. I run the show here. And it may seem so clear to you, and you must, might be destroying your entire family. When a person is down, they should go for ice cream. That's it. That's the only decision you should make. Go eat chocolate. Or have ice cream, get off your diet, whatever yet. Do not make any important decisions. That's the truth. You cannot make good decisions when you're not happy. That's it. It's a rule. Because in behala, because when you're not happy, there's a behala, there's a confusion in your mind. They compare, the Pasuk compares in Yeshayahu. Compares Reshaim, who make bad decisions, people who make bad decisions. He calls them Kayam Nigrash. They're like the ocean that's constantly moving. What does he mean by that? Why would you compare Reshaim to Yam Nigrash? So our rabbis explain 
the comparison to water that's moving, imagine taking a cup that has wine on top, or water on top, and at the bottom of the cup is all this junk there. Pebbles, afar, dirt, sediment of the, of the grapes, whatever it is, it's all in the bottom. Now, if the cup, if the water is still, you have no problem. You drink from the top, by the time you get to the bottom, you throw it out. You're good. But what happens when you take the cup and you start to move it around? It becomes like yam nigrash. It becomes like the water of the ocean moving back and forth. What happens to your cup? It's all going to be dirty. And every sip you take, you'll have some dirt in there. A great person... You know, every one of us has enough knowledge to make good decisions. And we also have enough silliness and stupidity in us to make bad decisions. That's just part of our cup. We're capable of making very bad decisions. If we're calm, and the cup is still, and we're Sameha, and we have Yeshuv Adat, then we'll be able to drink from the top. But once we are in Behala, you shake us up. So now all of the negative, all of the terrible decision making becomes included in everything in that cup. That's the way it works. In our days, just if you ask how important is decision making in life? Our days are filled with constant stream of decisions. Some decisions are minor, like what to eat, where to go, which route to take to your business. And some are more difficult, like should I marry that person? What do I do with my child who is struggling? Should I change jobs? Where should I live? Making good decisions really is the key to success in life. Think about it. A successful person is a person who made good decisions. And a failure is a person who made bad decisions. The question is, how do you make good decisions? That's obvious. Everything I'm saying is obvious. You'll forgive me. But sometimes you have to say the obvious. But how do you make good decisions? Could you imagine your son comes to you and says, Mom, Dad, I need your help. I want to be a great person. I want to make only good decisions. I don't want to make any bad decisions. You say, I'm son, that's the way to do it. You're going to be great if you make always good decisions. So then he says, okay, mom. So how do I always know what's right? How do I know I'm making a good decision? That's a good question. Our rabbis tell us, Ezehu hacham. Hacham is someone who makes good decisions. So they say, who is a Hacham? How do you become a Hacham? It says, Haro'eh et hanolad. If you're able to see the future, imagine telling your son, this is the way to do it. 
before you make a decision, before you marry this person, you have to see what it's going to feel like with her in 10 years from now. Before you take this new job, you have to imagine what's going to be in 10 years from now. Before you go to that yeshiva, imagine what's going to be in 10 years from now. So your son will say, wow. So you want me to be a prophet or a fortune teller? What does that mean? How would I know what's going to be 10 years from now if I'm making my decision today? But ultimately, the answer of good decisions is knowing that what I'm deciding now is going to put me there tomorrow or next year or next 10 years. That's called good decision making. Because for the moment, many things may look right. Many things may look perfect. Think about the hundreds of millions of sick people today walking around who made themselves sick because of bad decisions. Today, they're gamblers, they're alcoholics, they're drug addicts. They have all types of issues. But it all started with a bad decision. When they made that decision, they had no idea where that would take them. How were they supposed to know back then what's going to happen to them in 5 or 10 or 20 years from now? So it's true, Hazala telling us, listen, you want to make good decisions, you better know the outcome, the short and long-term outcome of your decision. But how are you supposed to know that? I'm not a prophet. I'm not a fortune teller. So while they're telling us the truth, hachamim, eze hacham, haro'et, is the truth. But where is that crystal ball? You're not helping me. How do I get there? How do I see the nolad? So I must share with you a pasuk in Mishle. This is one of the pasukim in Mishle that you have to memorize. Don't do it now. Focus first on the class. But after you finish the class, go home and memorize this pasuk. Because it's quite important. And it's essential to simha in your life and making good decisions. Says Shalomu HaMelech. It's in Perek Chaf Pasuk He. Mayim Amukim Aetza Belev Ish. This is a huge Hidush that Shalomu HaMelech is teaching us. He says, the right decision to make in life now, by the way, we make hundreds of decisions a day. Even to decide, should I smile when I see somebody or not? That's also a decision. We make many decisions. Should I be lazy? Should I get up? Decision. Should I get, go to class? Not go to Decision. Should I call my son? Should I not call? Decision. Everything we do is a decision. Says Shalomu HaMelech, how do you know the word Aitzah? means to have advice. Could you imagine you had somebody accessible to you that no matter what question you ask them, you go to them and they give you the right answer. That would be nice. That's called an ish aitzah. Someone who gives you advice and any question you have. Imagine you had access to such a person. Right? What should I tell my son right now? What should I tell my daughter? Should I go strong? Should I go easy? Should I be sweet? Should I be tough? What should I do? Every situation in your life, you have access to Aitzah, Ish Aitzah. That would be great. 
Says Shalom Melech, you have better than that. You have better than that. He says, Mayim Amukim Aitzah. You know what the Aitzah is? Do you know the right decision that you need to make every day where it is? Belev Ish. It's right inside of you. You don't even have to go pay somebody to ask them what they think. Could you imagine that? Could you imagine that Shalomah Melech is making such a statement? It's gigantic. It's huge. Because I always thought that to, to know what to do, I have to go ask this one. I have to go talk to that one. I got to pay that one. No, no. Says Shalomah Melech, you have no idea that the Eitzah, that the answer to your questions, Belev Ish, they're inside of your mind. You have the answer. Now, it could be you don't have the answer to somebody else's question. That nobody's promising. But for your questions and your challenges and what you're going through today, you have the capability of knowing what to do in every situation. By the way, which makes sense. Hashem created us. He gave us the challenges. He's not going to give us a challenge that we don't have the answer to. That's silly. What kind of father is that? Could, would you give your son something he can't handle? Would you put weights on his back that he can't carry? Of course not. Would a general send somebody in the army without a gun? Without a shield? Of course not. So it makes sense. If Hashem is going to put you through these challenges in your life, whatever they might be, He is going to give you the answer. He is going to give you the answer of what to do. Again, your friend will come with their question. It could be you're not smart enough to answer them. Maybe that you need great rabbis or great people to help them. But for your own situation, you could do it. Actually, he compares them because you're probably wondering, where is this Aitzah? I've been making mistakes left and right for the last 50 years. Where is this Aitzah? He says, they're like Maim Amukim. They're like deep waters. Could you imagine, God forbid, there's a drought. The city shut off all the water. No more water. You need to drink. You need to feed your children. You need to bathe them. You need to take care of yourself. No water. It's been a day. It's been a week. Disaster. And then someone tells you, by the way, I just want to tell you, your house in the backyard, there's this well of water, like never-ending water. And you say, really? Let me go look. And you look outside and you see, there's nothing there. I don't see a well. You tell them, right, the well is not on top. It's Mayim Amukim. It's somewhere under. He's okay, what does that help me? If the water is under and I'm over, it doesn't help. What am I supposed to do? Is you got to figure out how to draw it. Says Shalomah Melech, every single one of us has the answer to the questions that we go through in life. We have Aitzah for our challenges and our situations. We all have it. 
but it's like Mayim Amukim. It's like deep waters. Just like deep waters. If you don't know how to build the machine to access those waters, they'll be there for you, but you have no benefit from them because you can't get them. This Aitzah is sitting inside of every single human. Could you imagine every human out there walking around has Aitzot to make perfect decisions. And if you ask, but so many bad decisions are being made by so many people, including me. Why? Where is the Aitzah? Did they forget to include it in my package? Says Shalomano. It's there. But if you don't know how to get it, if you don't build how to draw it, you got to get the pill, you got to get it. So by waters, you understand. Get some ropes, get a wheel, get a plastic pail, and stop working. Put that pail down. Amok, amok. And all of a sudden, the water comes up. Water that gives you life. But how does that work? By etza. How does that happen? What is the pale that will bring the etzot into our lives? Baruch Hashem, Shlomo Melech continues the pasuk and tells us. I'll start again. Ma'im amukim etza belev ish. Oh, before I tell you how to draw it, just good for information. Where'd that come from? This Aitzah. Who put it there? The Pasuk says in Bereshit, when Hashem created Adam Arishon, the Pasuk says, Vayipah be'apav nishmat hayim. Hashem blew into his nostrils life. Why do we need to know that? Who cares how he gave us life? So the Ramban says, Man denafah, when you blow from your air into somebody else's nose, means you're giving him your own air. Which means Hashem gave Adam Arishon from his own self. That means the wisdom that we have, the Aitzah that we have, comes from our Creator. There's no middleman. There's no therapist. There's no psychiatrist. There's no nobody in between. It's direct. Hashem gives the Aitzah directly to us. When He created us, He puts the Aitzah, which by the way, this explains the Gemara you probably all heard. The Gemara says in Masechet Nida, the Gemara says that when a child is being formed inside the mother, so besides physically he's being formed, there's a malach whose job is to come and teach him all of the Torah. That means he knows all the wisdom that there is to know in the world. He's learning for nine months. Very nice. And then when he's ready to come out, says the Gemara, he slaps him right on top of his mouth and he forgets everything. This is a famous Gemara you all heard. Obviously, anyone who hears this Gemara says, come on, this is ridiculous. It's ridiculous. I mean, the creator of the world is very wise. He doesn't do things for no reason. Could you imagine 
you send a child to school for 17 years, and then by graduation when they're 18, the principal comes with a hammer and says, okay guys, you made it, Baruch Hashem, it's been 17 years, here we go. One slap, you hereby forgot everything you learned. Next guy, next, I mean, actually, it actually happens by the way. Very often you leave school and you don't remember anything, anything, nothing. The kids come home with like one plus two, you forgot you learned that. Good, that it should happen by itself, it's okay. But that the creator of the world should be the principal who sends a malach to teach you, and then when you're ready to graduate, he hits you over the head so you forget everything, seems to be a little ridiculous. The obvious answer is that you really never forget what the malach taught you. But you'll say, but I don't remember. I don't remember anything. What are you talking about? I don't remember. You know, in life, when we say I don't remember, it doesn't mean that you forgot. Let me explain. Very often in life, you'll meet somebody that you haven't seen for like 30 years. And the person will look at you and stare you down and say, and you're looking back at them, you're trying to avoid them. Like, what do they want from me? I don't know this person. And they keep staring at you. And they say, you know me? And I used to be, like trying to be nice to people, say, of course I know you. I thought that was the right answer. But then one guy once asked me, so what's my name? So I don't do that anymore. Someone says, you know me? I say, not really. I don't know you. Sometimes being nice doesn't pay. Just be honest. I, I don't know, I don't know you. He said, you don't know me? He said, you don't remember? Seventh grade? We sat next to each other, you don't remember? Mrs. So-and-so was our teacher. Rabbi Cohen was our rabbi, you don't remember? They tell you name, like Mike. Oh yeah, of course. How did I forget? Michael, of course. We used to go together to the mall. We used to go play ball. We were learning together. Remember we went that night, we stayed up. Question. Where was all that information two minutes before? What do you think it landed from the moon, that information? How come you didn't remember before? You thought you forgot, but you really never forgot, because the human doesn't forget. What we call, I forgot, is that there is information sitting in our mind, it's all there, but there's like a little handle that needs to pick it up for us and bring it to our forefront. So when the handle becomes weak, so we don't remember things, we can't pick up the information. If someone helps us to pick it up, we can do it. But it's all there. When the malach hits us, we don't forget like it's gone. Not like that. All the malach does is that instead of being born, 
like Moshe Rabbeinu at 120, because that's what each one of us would be, we would be born and we're like Moshe Rabbeinu at age 120. We know everything. Instead of doing that, he takes the information and he pushes it back. He takes the water that's on top, right in the forefront, and he makes it Mayim Amukim. And it is our job to build the hand that picks it up. That's where the Amukim, the Mayim Amukim Ezra came from. It came from that Malach. Okay, how do you get it? You want to draw that order? You want to get it? You need to be in Ish Tevuna. You don't need a pail. You don't need ropes. You don't need a wheel. You need to be in Ish Tevuna. What does an Ish Tevuna mean? An Ish Tevuna means a person who has the ability to think. That's a big deal. The ability to think means you have the ability to weigh on the scale. Is it like this? Is it like that? You need Yishuv Hada'at. You need to be settled so you could think. When a person has Behala, he can't think. And even when they think, it's just exhausting. Ish tevuna means a person who has the ability to think. With that ability, you draw all your etzah. The answers are right in front of you. You can't imagine how many times, me personally, I've sat with people who came into the room very confused about something. And I give you my word. I didn't give them one piece of advice. But as they talk, I ask a question. I'm sure you've done this too. This is not a rabbi thing. Then another question you ask them. Oh, so what about that? So what about that? And this and that. So what's the answer? Oh, the answer is obviously not. Of course. Goodbye. Who figured it out? They figured it out. But you just help them think. What they were missing wasn't the answer. They just didn't think. Why weren't they thinking? Who knows? Because they're having trouble at home. They're having issues with this. They're having all types of things going on in their life. They can't think straight. So all you're doing is help them think. But the answer, they have it already. The answer to any question that we have is there. We just to be, we need an ish tevuna. That's why sometimes you have to go for help. You got to ask somebody else. Because they will help you think. They don't need to be the one giving you the answer. They just need to help you get the answer from within yourself. That's why it's called Yeshua Da'at. Lashon Lashevet. Where your Da'at is sitting. So this way you could go and measure this, that. Now, of course, you know that if a person had Yeshua Da'at, which comes from Simha, they would be the arch enemy of the Yetzirah. 
He does not want you or I to relax and to be settled. That's not good for the yes. That's not good for his job. He has a job to do. And being settled is the biggest bullet that you can put into him. So therefore, what do you think the Yetzirah is going to be doing in our lives? He's going to keep us busy. He's not going to let us think. Confusion. Different areas. Social confusion. Emotional confusion. Financial confusion. Family confusion. All types of things that confuse us. That's why says Shalom Melech in Mishlet, Raglim Memaharot. When you see a person in a rush, not running. When a person's in a rush, like they're nervous. Raglim Memaharot, Larutz Lira. You know something bad is going to happen. If you're rushing, again, not because you have a lot of energy and you're trying to be Zariz. You're rushing because you're confused. You can bet that something bad is going to happen. You're going to make bad decisions. It's no different than a good salesman. If I have a good product to sell you, and you come into my store, I have a good product, good price, I say, here it is. Take your time. Think about it. Nothing to worry about. You have a good product, a good price, Perfect. You don't have to rush. But if you're selling junk, you know what junk, how it's sold? The salesman just keeps talking. Yeah, it's like this, like that. It's almost like that. It's like that, 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 that. He talks so long and so fast that by okay, fine. Okay, I'll take it. That's how it works. A good salesman could sell junk because you just keep talking. When they keep talking, you don't have time to think. Before they, you mention one thing, you're on to the next thing, to the third thing, to the fourth thing, to the fourth thing. And then, you forgot what the guy said. And you buy it. That's how it is in life. Yetzirah is a great salesman. He's selling junk, but he needs, he needs you to move quickly. So you don't think too much. Ramban, on the word pitom, you know what the word pitom means in Hebrew? Pitom means unexpected, suddenly. Something unexpected happens to you. It's called pitom. Says the Ramban that this word pitom, which means sudden, he says the shoresh, the root of that word, is the word petty. You know what the word petty means? Petty means a gullible person. Someone that you could sell them anything. No matter what you tell them, they buy it. Petty is a gullible person. Petty ya amin lechol davar. A gullible person believes anything. You can sell him anything. Says the Ramban, when you act pitom, when you act without thinking, you act suddenly, you become a petty. You become a person. We thought a petty is a person not so smart. That's what we thought. He's not so smart. He's a petty. No. You're smart. But you don't think. You're impulsive. You do things without. Yeshu da'at. 
That was the complaint of Yeshayahu and Nabi. He says, Yada shor konehu. He's even an ox knows his owner. He's complaining about the Jewish people. How they forgot who their creator was. He says, Yada shor konehu. Even an ox, a behemah, knows his owner. Vahamor ebus be'alav. Even the hamor, the donkey, knows where he eats from. Ami lo yada. Yisrael lo yada. But Am Yisrael forgot who brought them into this world, who's taking care of them. Ami lo hit bonan. Why didn't they know? Because they're not thinking. If you're not thinking, you won't get to where you need to get. That was why Reuven, who is the firstborn of Yaakov Avinu, of our people, who should be the Bechor, who should be the Kohen Gadol, who should be the Melech? Reuven, the firstborn. Always the firstborn gets the first rights. And that's what Yaakov told Reuven. Yeter se'et ve'yeter az. You're supposed to be the leader physically and spiritually of all your brothers. But you will not be. You will not be the Kohen Gadol. You will not be the Melech of this nation, even though you're the Bechor. Why? Pahaz kamayim. Because you rush like the water. Al totar. That's why you will not have any power over others. You know, this is the story of the Yefat Toan. The Yefat Torah is this woman. The Torah says a very shocking halakha. The Torah says that if a Jewish soldier in war finds a Goya in the battlefield and he wants her, so says the Torah, don't take her. And then wait for 30 days and then see what you're going to do with her. Our rabbis ask in Masechet Kiddushin, is this for real? What? See a Goya and you, you take him, you marry him? What are you talking about? Again, there are many rules, but just the fact that Torah says take it, what does that mean? Comes the Gemara with this difficult question and gives an even more difficult answer. Says the Gemara, no, no. You see, this soldier anyway is going to take her. Even if we tell him not to take her, He's going to do it anyway. So better, says Hashem, better. I tell him, take her, and it's okay. Than to tell him it's Asur, and he's going to do it anyway. Okay, it's very nice. If we use that rule in our lives, there'll be no Judaism. Zero. You know how many things we struggle with? You know how many times that we feel it's so difficult to do something or not to do something? Imagine we use this rule. Oh, but you know, if, they, if we're going to sin anyway, so let's just do it. It's fine. It's mutai. That's what the reform did. There's no more Jews that are reformed. They're zero. Every generation goes down to zero. They're almost dead. What was their motto? I don't know if that's what they, I don't know if they were studying this parasha. But basically, they said, okay, it's all you can do. You can drive, you can do, it's fine. No Shabbat, no Kashrut, no this, no that. The, the, the bigger question, perhaps, is if you know who the soldier is, 
So it becomes more shocking because the Torah says before the Jewish army goes to war, there's a Kohen that gets up. His job is called Mashuah Milchama. His job is to get up, maybe give a pep talk, but before that, he makes some rules. He says, guys, listen, if somebody here built the house and you didn't move in yet, don't go. It's not for you. You're not going to be able to fight. Someone planted a vineyard and you didn't get the grapes yet, don't go. Someone got engaged, you're engaged, you didn't get married yet, stay home. Okay, fine. So a few people, imagine all these soldiers are going to fight. He makes these announcements, he starts losing a thousand here, two thousand there, three thousand there. Not so bad, right? Then he says, they said, Anybody here afraid? Rach Levav has a soft heart, can't handle blood, can't handle fighting. I'm just asking, just a theoretical question. If you got up in Shul this Shabbat and there was a war going on, and we said, Everyone's got to go to war, guys. Okay, let it go. Okay, anyone's afraid. If you're afraid, if you're afraid of dying, so don't go to war. So how many people do you think are actually going to volunteer? My bet is none. Nobody. Nobody's going. After that announcement, nobody's going. Hazalte, by the way, what kind? Who's afraid? Like what? Afraid of what? So they say even if the guys afraid of averot. So which avera? Like what kind of avera? The Gemara says. Gemara says. If a guy is putting on his tefillin, then we put on tefillin, we make a beracha and tefillin shaliyan. And then we put on tefillin shalosh. But if you speak in between, you have to make a new beracha on the rosh. So this guy spoke in between. So he made a new beracha. He caused an unnecessary beracha. If he made a sin like that, go home. That means who's going to war? Look at all, all the gedolim. The Gedolim of Am Yisrael are going to war. And that guy, we have to allow this woman for him. Because if he doesn't get the okay from us, he's doing it anyway. What? Could you imagine Rav Chaim Kanievsky in a war? And we have to allow him to marry this woman? Are you kidding? Could it be that the Gedolim of Am Yisrael need this heter? Because they're going to do it anyway. So let's just allow them. How could that be? And the answer is very simple. The answer is that milhama, wartime, you know, in life you have to always be thinking. You always have to make decisions because you're thinking. Don't be caught not thinking. But there's one time in life you can't think. That's if you're a soldier at war. Soldiers are trained not to think. That's why they train them in the army training with things that have nothing to do with fighting. They train, they train them to stand straight. They train them to kick together. They train them to raise their arm together. They train them to march together. They don't do those things in war. What are they training them for? Answer is that a soldier needs to learn how to take orders. You have to listen. You don't have to understand. Imagine a soldier was a philosopher during war. 
the general says, you know, guys, we're going this way now. And he says, well, but why? I, I, don't, I don't see it that way. Don't you think it'll be better to go the other way? By the time he does that, they, they destroyed the, the place. You can't do that. If you're a soldier, you're not supposed to think. You're supposed to take orders. And you know what happens when you don't think? You could be the gadolador. If you don't use your brain, you could fall to the biggest abira. That's why it says the Torah, a soldier at war cannot think. If you cannot think, then we don't think you're capable of any decisions that are good. Ish tevuna yidlena. If you're an ish tevuna, if you think things through, you will get the right answer. If you don't think right or you don't think at all, you're in trouble. You know, there are different types of decisions that we make in life. You know, someone might be listening to this class and say, okay, I hear, I got it. So it's important to have Yishu, it's important to have Simha, which we still don't learn what that is. So we can have Yishu Vada'at. It's important to have Yishu Vada'at so we can think. It's important to think so that we can make good decisions. But someone might say, like, what's the big deal about this whole decision business? So I don't make good decisions, I make good decisions. Let me tell you something. It's the biggest deal to make good decisions. As we probably already know. But I just want to give you a few examples of the types of decisions that sometimes we are involved in and how the difference can make such a difference. There's a story of Hagar. Everybody has to learn this story in life. I'm telling you, this story is such a directive story for all of us. There is a famous story that you know where Hagar, after Abraham, or at the time Abraham married Sarai, they were married for 10 years, no children. Sarai turns to Abraham and says, why don't you take my maidservant, Hagar, and maybe you'll be able to have a child from her. Good. To sacrifice for her. But she, whatever the calculation was, she told her husband, take my maidservant. Sure enough, the maidservant gets pregnant. She has a child. The Pasuk says, Already, from the time that Hagar was pregnant, Woman can appreciate this. Already, her Sarai, her boss, was no longer in her eyes the same awe like before. You deal with maids sometimes, right? You tell someone to do something. So sometimes they actually follow. But if they feel like they're the boss... You have to be very careful what you tell them. Because they don't care about you. They'll talk back to you. So why should I do that for you? I just clean. Clean again? You know how late it is? I've been working all day. Yeah, you gotta be careful. If you have the awe in them for you, you can tell them anything. So Sarai was this awesome boss for many years. And Hagar was her servant. 
I'm sure she treated her beautifully, but she worked. But now that she's the one who's having a child and Sarai isn't, she started feeling like, one second, I'm also hashub here. What are you telling me to take out the garbage? You take out the garbage. What is it? What are you? What's going on here? So the pasuk says that Sarai felt this, and she told Abraham, "There's a problem here. What should I do? She's my servant, but she's not behaving like one." Abraham told her. She's your servant. Do whatever you have to do. But she made her suffer. It doesn't mean what you think. The epitome of kindness. When it says it made her suffer, it just means she treated her like she always did. Like a maid. But now, that didn't work. Now that caused her to suffer. Take out the garbage last year, no problem. This year, take out the garbage, like what? Me, I'm suffering from this. Sarai continued behaving like a boss. What happened? She ran away. She ran away. Listen to this. This is such an important person. Ready? It says that the Malach Hashem found her in the desert. Vayomar, and he said, Hagar, Shifhat Sarai. He tells her, Hagar, Emizebat, where are you coming from? Ve'ana telechi, and where are you going? Vatomer, and she said, Mipene Sarai Gebirti Anohi Borahat. I am escaping from my boss Sarah. The Malach told her, Go back. Vehit Anita Haida. I know it's hard for you there, but go back. The question is how to understand this conversation. If the Malach wanted her to go back, just tell her, go back. Why is he asking her, where are you coming from? He knows where she's coming from. And he asks her where she's going. She never answered the question. Notice he asked, where are you coming from? Where are you going? She says, I'm leaving. I, I ran away from Sarai. But where are you going? She never answered that question. He tells her, go back. You know what this means? In life, so many times, we find ourselves in a very difficult situation. It could be a difficult job, a difficult boss, a difficult marriage. It could be a difficult havruta. It could be a difficult yeshiva. And we want to run away. Enough. I can't work here anymore. That's it. I'm done. I gotta get out of this marriage. Done. I have to escape. It's actually called escapism 
need to escape. I gotta change jobs. I gotta change cities. I don't like this community. I need to move away to a different place. This is something that we all go through in life. Sometimes very big, sometimes small. Hagar went through this and Hagar decided, you know what? I can't take it anymore. I can't take this job anymore. I need to leave. And comes the Malach Hashem and tells Hagar, and he's telling all of us, we're not going to be Zocher to the Malach. But we were, because we read what he did. He tells Hagar, let me tell you something about decisions. Tell me, where are you coming from? And more importantly, where are you going? So you're coming from the house of Abraham Avinu and Sarai Menu. Where are you going that's going to be better than that? I understand you have problems here. But is your alternative better? Really? You think leaving your job is better? Where are you going? You have a better job? Or you think that boss is an angel? So many times in life, we decide, that's it. I'm out of here. And we feel good about it because we feel like, wow, we're taking our life into our own hands. We're really doing something. We're making things move. Only to realize that we made things worse. Sometimes life is hard. But changing sometimes is actually harder. Sometimes you have to change. But you got to know first where you're going before you leave where you are. Hagar couldn't answer the question, where I'm going. She couldn't answer. She just said, I'm escaping. If you're escaping, then you can't leave. That's a great example of a decision that so many of us make in our lives. Where we decide to leave something good that we have. We leave the shul that we actually will benefit from because we don't like three people there. But where are you going? We leave the community that is doing so much for us because there are certain things that bother us. But where are you going? Are you going somewhere better? We leave a marriage that really could be very good, but it's difficult in certain ways. But where are you going? Sometimes single people leave their family, leave their house because they're struggling with certain things. But where are you going? I'm going to leave my yeshiva. You know how many times a boy's in yeshiva and he's struggling. I said, I'm leaving. I'm going somewhere else. Who told you that where you're going is better? So often the problem is you. You know what happens when we escape our problems? It's not the marriage. It's you. It's not the community. It's you. It's not the yeshiva. It's you. You know what happens when we keep escaping? We keep escaping from ourselves. As we escape more and more, it's hard to find back the road to ourselves. We go to that one, it doesn't work. We go to that one, it doesn't work. That one doesn't work. And then we realize after a while, it has nothing to do with anything outside of it. That's an important life skill. But you need Yeshua Da'at for that. Before you make rush decisions, you gotta sit with yourself. 
Okay. We spoke, we spoke about Ezehu Hacham Haro'et Anolad. You don't have to be a fortune teller. You have Etzah. Just sit and think. Where is this decision taking me? Is it going to be better? You're right, I'm struggling. Is it going to be better? That's one example. And sometimes, by the way, these decisions come from, I don't want to say the word desperation, but sometimes we jump, we panic. You know who panicked? And he suffered, him and his whole future lineage suffered because of one panic. You know what that was? We have, we have a halakha in Judaism that says you cannot marry from Moab. Can't marry Moab. They can convert, but you can't marry them. Why? Because Moab, Bil'am, through Balak, Melech Moab, tried to destroy us. Did a very bad thing to us. Why did Balak come to destroy us? What did he want from us? What were we doing to him? The Pasuk says that Balak saw what Am Yisrael did to Sihon and to Og, powerful nations, while they're in the desert, they destroyed them. And he says, oh, I'm next. He panicked. Could you imagine? There's a country, very powerful. They took, you're the third. They took the first one, the second one, and you're right there, you're next. He panicked. What's gonna happen with me? He went out, called Bil'am, come help me. He got destroyed in the end. And his future changed because of that. Very bad decision. He knew the answer to this question. If he would have looked into the matter, if he had Yeshuv Hadad, he would have realized there's nothing to panic about. Because if you look in the Torah, you'll see that those battles did not start with the Jewish people. The Jewish people didn't attack Sihon. They didn't attack Og. The opposite, Sihon and Og attacked them. When they were passing by them, they told them, we don't want to fight with you. Just leave us alone. They came to fight with them. So in self-defense, the Jewish people acted and they won. If he would have checked into the matter, he would realize there's nothing wrong. But that's what happens when there's no Yeshuv Hada'at. When there's no Yeshuv Hada'at, there's not even a problem and you create a problem. And finally, the last example. The last example of important decisions that we make. Sometimes they're not so big like changing your life or where you live or who you live with. Sometimes the decisions that are important are the very small ones. You know what Hazal tell us? It says mitzvah goreret mitzvah. Which means that when we look at a great person, we say, oh wow, that person is so great. Wow. What decisions does he make? Then you should know that great people are made of a decision that was made way long ago. And that decision connected to another good decision and another good decision and another good decision and then boom. And it's the opposite too. Avera, goreret avera. You look at a terrible person. The guy is totally off. 
And you say, wow, this person is so off. I can't believe who I'm looking at. And if you look 20 years before, normal guy. He made one bad decision. He got involved with the wrong friend, which brought him to the wrong place. And then to another thing. And, and all of a sudden, look what he is. Mitzvah goreret mitzvah. Avera goreret avera. That's why Hazal said, be careful even from the simplest decisions. Because that decision can make a very big difference in your life. That's why Hazal say, and I'll leave off with this. Rashi says, you know, I'll give you an example of a good decision. A good decision somebody made, this is a true story. I'll tell you a true story. About a person who a few years ago decided that, you know something? Everything I do in my life is about me. It's when I want to wake up, when I want to go to sleep, when I want to eat, when I want a vacation, when I want to shop. It's all about me. My whole life is about me. I'm proud of him. He says, but I, when do I do things for other people? I got to do something. So he decided, I don't know why he chose this. It's interesting. He decided he's going to start going to Minyan every morning. The latest Minyan. 9 a.m. Okay, remember that Minyan from the beginning of the class. He's going to the 9 a.m. Minyan. Okay. Usually he wakes up at 12, at 1, at 2. 9 a.m. every morning I'm going to Minyan. I'm going to do something for Hashem. I'm going to wake up and I'm going to say, Hashem, I'm here to say thank you. Good. Beautiful. He starts to go. Now he's in shul for a week, 9 a.m. Every day he walks into shul, he sees people, there are many more people walking out of shul at 9 a.m. than people coming in. Baruch Hashem. He says, where are these people coming from? What are you doing here? So he asks one guy, What's the, what, where are you coming from? He says, what do you mean? He says, I pray at 8. He says, are you, are you pray at 8? Wow. They pray at 8. He says, you know something? Come on, 9 is a little late. So I'm going to start praying at 8. So he starts praying at 8. After a week, he's praying at 8. He sees just as many people leaving at 8 as there are people coming at 8. Can't believe where these guys coming from. He says, what's the story with you? He says, I pray at 7. I pray at 7? 7 o'clock? I can't believe it. It's very nice, nice. Yeah, it comes from that. Okay, he says, you know what? I'm going to come pray at 7. 8, it's a little late. I'm going to come 7. He comes at 7. He walks into the room where the minyan is, he sees there's 200 people yelling at each other, learning Gemara. These people, they're sweating already. How long have they been here? What are they doing? He asks, what, what are you guys doing here? He says, oh, we, we learn. What time are you here? We at 6. You here at 6? You're learning at 6? He says, yeah, we're learning at 6. Why don't you come sit with us? So he decides, he gets a habruta at 6. All of a sudden, he goes, Somebody comes and says, you know, I need a little help from my yeshiva. Could you help me? He says, of course. He helps. Then he helps him. All of a sudden he's praying. He's learning. Now he's giving tzedakah. Then after you give tzedakah to 10 people, you become the address. Everyone comes to you. And then you realize that people need so much more help than you knew. You know, when you don't 
help people, you think everyone's perfect just like you. Then when you start giving, you start realizing people need things that you never thought about. So all of a sudden it gets in mind, you know what? I see people keep coming for the same thing. Let's maybe try to figure out how to help them before they come. All of a sudden, he's heading an organization. And all of a sudden, he's involved in so many things. Where'd that come from? It came from one decision to come to a non-impactment. This actually happened. But it happens every day. Mitzvah, Koreret Mitzvah. Any great person, you look at them and say, where did this start? It started from something small. That's why Hazal say, be careful when you're making a decision. It's not small. Going to a minyan every day is not small. Getting involved in this organization is not small. Doing something like this for your mother is not small. It's not small. Because it's decisions, they connect like train cars. And in the end, you'll see something huge. But it's all one after the other. It works that way in the positive, and it certainly works that way in the negative. I hate to turn, I hate to end off on a negative, but it's a negative that will turn into a positive. Rashi Alaba Shalom says in Parashat Behukotai that the Yetzirah has a process where he takes a good guy and brings him down, 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 all the way, and every one of the steps is causing another step after it. So he explains. He says, based on the Pesukim, I'm not gonna go through it. First is a guy who has a choice to go learn. You know, when it comes to men, if they don't learn, it's very difficult. Women have already, Hashem gave them such a blessing. They have a bina. I guess the angel didn't hit them so hard. And they have certain chokhmah that they don't have to learn. They don't have to be in shul at 6 a.m. And they know what's good, what's wrong. I'm not saying everyone, by the way. Don't, don't, don't get it the end. I'm just saying it's possible for a woman to have so much chokhmah without opening a book. It's natural. Men, they need to learn. They need to be connected to Torah. Otherwise, their mind becomes completely destroyed. You have to know that. Men are not built unless they learn. So here you have a man who his friend told him, listen, we're starting a class, actually tonight, it's right in this room tonight, there's going to be a new class of 10 guys that never learned before in their life. 50-year-olds. Never learned. One, one told me on Shabbat, he said, I'm going to get my friends, we're going to start learning, and we're going to finish the Masechet by one year. I said, I didn't think he was. People tell him all the time. This guy actually followed up. I said, I want the names. Because they make up things. They just, they think people are coming. They dream people are coming. Ten guys are coming to start. It's an unbelievable thing. Imagine one of the phone calls he makes. He's listen, Joe. You want to learn? We're gonna start a new class twice a week. Not so hard. At night, you're not doing anything anyway. By the way, men have nothing to do. At night. Just, just for the record, 
Okay? People are always rushing, but they have nowhere to go. It's a, it's a rule. So, come twice a week to learn. That's such a big thing. You should know, says Rashi, that the decision of yes or no can make such a big difference. Because says Rashi, what if the guy decides, you know what, I'm not learning. I don't want to learn. Says Rashi, if you don't learn, you know what happens to you? He says, Mishilotilmedu, Lotasu. Which means, if you don't learn about mitzvot, then you can't do mitzvot. You might think you're Shomer Shabbat. You might put a sign, Shomer Shabbat. But if you don't know Hilchot Shabbat, says the Mishnah Berurah, you probably are not Shomer Shabbat. You have to learn Hilchot Shabbat. I'm talking to ladies too. You have to know Hilchot Shabbat. Did you ever learn Hilchot Shabbat? Like really learn the halachot? It's very hard to keep Shabbat if you don't learn the halachot of Shabbat. You have to learn the halachot. And if you learned them 20 years ago, you got to do a refresher course. Because if you don't learn, says Rashi, a guy who doesn't learn is now not going to do the mitzvot. But it doesn't end there. It's pretty bad, right? But there's worse than that. Says Rashi, and once you don't do the mitzvot, you know what happens to you? Mo'es ba'aherim ha'osim. You start getting upset when other people are doing mitzvot. I'll tell you what happens. See this guy that's not coming tonight? In six months from now, these ten guys will be going to a restaurant together to eat. And all of a sudden, six guys get up to wash their hands. And this guy said, what are you guys doing? What is that? So what do you mean? The cop. He's like, what is this cop business? Cop. What are you doing? He said, no, we just learned. You know, we're learning. You have to wash your hands before you eat bread. He looks at you and says, now he has a decision to make. Before, they were all the same. All good. We're all good guys. All of a sudden, they're washing their hands. He doesn't wash his hands. Oh, they're trying to be better than me, these guys. He starts to have an animosity. All of a sudden, you see people doing something you don't do. Because everybody thinks they're the rule of religion. Anybody above me is extreme. Anyone who does anything more than I do, extremist. Anything below me is off the derech. <laughs> because my level exactly is where exactly the Torah was given exactly this way. Exactly where I am. So if I see a guy doing a little more... Wow, that guy is extreme. What happened to him? And the other guy, Hazid, off the dinner. That's how we are. We measure everything by ourselves. So now all of a sudden you see people doing things you don't do, but you're a religious Jew. What does that mean? You're religious, but you don't dress like that. You don't eat like that. You don't wash your hands like that. Oh, I hate these extremists, you know? And all of a sudden, that's now, so wait, now you don't learn. You're not learning. That's bad. You're not doing mitzvot, many of them, because you don't know about them. And now, all of a sudden, it developed into hatred. Now you hate people. And now it gets worse. Says Rashi, the next step is, Soneh hachamim. 
Now he starts to hate the rabbis. I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what happens. Let me explain to you why the rabbis got involved in. Listen to this. You see one friend doing something that you don't do, something a little more than you, you say, okay, okay, they're nuts. What should I do? You see another one doing the same thing, right? Before you used to dress a certain way, all of a sudden one of your friends dresses a little more modest, all right, all right, listen, a little off, okay, fine. All of a sudden, another friend drops. Now there's two. Okay, two nuts. And then all of a sudden, a third friend drops. It's like, it's a pandemic. All of a sudden, five of your friends dropped. They don't look like you anymore. Now you could say one person is nuts, two are nuts, three are nuts, four are nuts, but when the majority is nuts, then you start looking into yourself, say, one second, who's really nuts here? What's going on? And then you realize, one second, Hazit, it's not them. They're going to that class on Tuesday afternoons. Oh, this rabbi there, he is brainwashing them. They don't think. These people, Hazaton, they're good people. They're good people, they're smart people. They would never dress like that. They would never wash their hands. They're too smart for that. Oh, it's that rabbi. He's very eloquent. He talks nice to them. He gets them excited. Hazaton, they don't know how to think for themselves. You see what happened? So ne hachami. You have what happened? Look at this guy where he went. He didn't learn. He didn't do mitzvot. He started hating people. Now he hates all the rabbis. But there's worse. Then... He realizes, he sees, it's not just one rabbi. If it was just one rabbi on Tuesday afternoons, okay, we'll go, we'll hate him, we'll fight with him. But he sees, there's another 20 rabbis like him. And each one has 5, 10, 20, 30 people. So Shemaitis is going way out of control. Now we have to have a milhama. Hazatan, all the regular people out there, they're sitting prey. You understand? They're sitting targets for all these rabbis to brainwash them. So, in order to save our community and our society, we have to make sure that we make something to stop these people. How do you think conservative starts? How do you think reform starts? Because people get together and say, What's going on here? What's happening? And then it gets worse. After you get organized, people ask you, so what are you all about, this conservative movement? Well, what are you all about? What do you think? Like, what, what, what's your ideology? Don't you know there's a mitzvah called Shabbat? Don't you know there's a halakha midah? Don't you know there's kashrut? Like, what are you saying? They say, no, no we don't do those things. Well, what do you mean, We have a Torah. It came from Moshe Rabbeinu. We have a Halakha. It came down. I have sources for everything. What do you mean it's not your minhad? No, my grandfather do it. Your grandfather is not Moshe Rabbeinu. Who says your grandfather is the icon of Judaism? 
What are you saying? So what? Your grandfather didn't do it. So all of a sudden, kofer ha mitzvot. They'll deny that there are really certain mitzvot. No, we don't do that. It's not our way. It's not our minag. And then the worst and final, finally, when they're put to the test, they realize, come on, what do you mean, not human hag? Nida is not human hag? What does that mean? Kashrut is not human hag? What are you saying? Tzeniut is not human hag? People think Tzeniut was born in Williamsburg. Like, you know, the, the Hasidim, they decided that we're going to dress like Tzeniut. Well, what are you saying? What are you talking about? There's halakha, there's Torah, there's Torah Shebikhtara, Torah Shebaalpeh. Our religion, we don't just get up and start saying things. Okay, guys, I think from now on, we should do this. We don't do that. We have matan Torah. So you put the guy, finally, listen, there's rules, sir. There's halachot. Where do you come from? Could you show me where your lineage started? Who is the person you're getting this from? What are you saying? It's not your minhad. At some point, they say, you know something? Kofir ba'ikah. You know, I don't need this. I'm out. I don't, I don't believe in God anymore. And if you think that's so wild, I once, I don't know if it's accurate, you look it up, something, a large percentage of reform rabbis don't believe in God. Could you imagine that? You're a rabbi, you don't believe in God. What does that mean? That's what happens. And where did it start? On Tuesday nights. That's what it started. The whole thing started on a Tuesday night. Because they called you, you want to come learn? If you would have came to learn, it's fine, you're good. You learn, you saw a new halakha, you started to do it. Yeah, it's good. You said no, you don't, want, you don't want to learn? Okay, all of a sudden, sometimes the smallest decisions make the biggest difference. To make good decisions, you have to have yishuv hada'at. To have yishuv hada'at, you have to be samaya. Now we have to learn. Had to have some air. Had to be some air. Had to have some air. Have a wonderful day. Best class on Tuesday afternoon. Best class on Tuesday afternoon.